Come on, isn't that awesome or what? So sign up today. Amen. I want you to come with me in your Bibles. Thank you so much, musicians and singers. You guys were amazing. Marky Cullen, Ali Cullen, you guys are incredible. Daniel over there on the lights, the beautiful Faith Knight and Justin. Just what an awesome team. What an awesome team. Cheryl Smith. Cheryl, when do you go to Cabo? Tomorrow morning, she's going on a surf trip to Cabo. She just won some Ironman competition in La Jolla. Oh, my Lord. And she's, a, she's, I think she's just a couple of years younger than me. Makes me sick. People like that, they shouldn't be allowed in church. And uh, anybody that makes the pastor feel bad, how many people know should not be allowed in church? No. Amen. Who's ready for the word this morning? This morning I want to preach. I know I preached a couple of weeks ago on awaken identity, but I just can't get away from it. I felt like I only preached half the message. So I'm going to try and preach the other half to you this morning. So come on, let's go around the word. Now, can I just tell you, we had Pastor Henry Seeley last week. How many people enjoyed Pastor Henry? And uh, he loved our building. He loved everything about our building, except he said, you know, when I came to the gym, remember the old gym, remember Egypt? Sorry, the gym, Egypt, the gym. He said, you know, we didn't have any kind of soundproofing, and so the sound kind of bounced everywhere. And he says, here, you guys have done a fantastic job at soundproofing the room. He says, you've probably done a little bit too much of a good job. And I just thought, oh, well, you know, maybe people aren't excited. Maybe my preaching's kind of, you know, come down a couple of levels. He's like, no, it's because you've got soundproofing on the ceiling, soundproofing on the back wall, soundproofing on the side walls, and it's just absurd. So can, can I encourage you this morning, church is not just a, a, an observation sport. It's a participation sport. So can I encourage you this morning, I want you to feel free to clap, to shout, to cheer, to say, wow, amen, throw money, do whatever you got to do. Come on, how many people know the church should be enjoyed, not endured? Awesome. Genesis 3 verse 8, Genesis 3, 8, bump your neighbor and say, it's going to be good. Bump the neighbor on the other side and say, you need to get into it. Genesis 3 verse 8 says, and they heard the sound... They heard the sound. God has a sound. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called out to Adam saying, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, how many people know that God asked Adam, where are you? Not because God didn't know. They hid themselves. It wasn't like God's like, I can't find you. How many people know that God knew exactly where Adam was? How many people know that when God asks you a question, He's not asking you a question because He doesn't know the answer. God always asks a question to see if you can locate the answer. God knew where Adam was. He just wanted to know, does Adam know where Adam was? Adam, do you know where you is right now? Look at you. You look all silly. You've, you, 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 what have you done? You've tied you've fig leaves together to, to cover your, your nakedness. The fig leaves are a powerful picture of what's happened in Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve have reached out and they, they've eaten from the forbidden tree. They've eaten from the forbidden fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so they've, they've now been severed. They've, they've been cut off from the life of God because of sin, because of rebellion. They, they, they decided, you know what? Yeah, we don't want to live under your lordship. Hey, this other guy's got this, this, he's got this awesome proposition for us. I can't enough. You can't refuse. And so we decided to take this one. And so they slip out. And all of a sudden, they, their eyes are open. They realize they're naked. That, that, and death has come. God says, do not eat of it. 
The day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So they go and they take fig leaves. So they, they have to take the, the leaves off the branches of the tree. And they, they sew them together and they make for themselves coverings. The problem is it's not going to cover them for too long. The problem is the covering isn't going to last very long. Because if you were to look at the fig leaves under a microscope, exactly what was happening in Adam and Eve's biology, exactly what was happening inside of the man and the woman that God created was happening in the leaves. Already the ends of the leaves were already beginning to brown up and beginning to curl up because the leaf was already dying. The leaves were already dying because they'd been disconnected. They'd been separated from the source of nutrients and life that sustained them and kept them green, that kept them flourishing. But just like the leaves, the leaves were a picture of Adam and Eve's sin, of their, their sinful state. When we separate ourselves from God, we don't find life, we find death. And so they're dying. And so God comes and says, Adam, where are you? I know where you's at, but do you know where you're at? Do you know what, where, where you're at? And so Adam says, listen, we, we, were, we were afraid because we were naked. And listen to what God says. God says, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? In Matthew chapter 4, come with me to Matthew chapter 4, and then we'll, then we'll get into this thing. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. In fact, go to 3.17, just, just one verse above it. Matthew 3.17 says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is, not, it is, is, it, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word this morning. And ask, Lord, that you would speak through your servant this morning, that this would be a word in season, that this would be fresh manna, fresh revelation for these, your sons and daughters today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Everyone say, Awaken Identity. So a couple of weeks ago, if, if you weren't here, I, I spoke and I talked about, you know, our identity and I talked about, you know, Simba and Mufasa and the Lion King and how Simba had forgotten who he was. And so he's on this bivouac, he's on this, you know, this journey and he's kind of, you know, living in a Kuna Matata land and, and which means no worries and he's eating berries and grubs. But how many people know when you live in a Kuna Matata land, the land of no worries, you, what, what you feed on never satisfies you. What you feed, we have a whole generation that wants to live no worries. You know, they, they, want, they just want no worries. They want just a life of leisure, a life of pleasure. They just, you know, it's, it's all about no, and, and their goal is to have no worries in life. But you'll find that a no worries life won't enhance your life. It won't bless your life. You were created to carry a burden. You were created to pick up a mission. You were created to, to, to wear and to, to hold an assignment in the kingdom of God. You were created to shift something. You were created to bust something. You were created to build something. You were created to establish something. You were created to pick something up and carry it for the king. You were created to advance the kingdom of darkness. You were created to shift things in the earth towards God and away from darkness. You were created to resist an invisible foe. You were created to stand against a demonic force. You were created to bring glory to God. You were created to carry the purpose and release that purpose that God put on the inside of you even before you were born. God created you with purpose and intention so that 
that you could carry something. And, and the devil has come to a whole generation saying, hey, you don't want that. That looks like too much hard work. Why don't you instead just live in a Kuna Matata land? Just live a land of no worries, of just boozing and drinking and partying. And all the time you think it's just, it's just the wrong booze. If I try a different booze, if I try a different girl, if I try a different guy, if I try a different drug, maybe that, that drug used to do it, it doesn't do it anymore. And so they, they find themselves in a cycle only to find that in the end their lives are shipwrecked and bankrupt and desolate and just destroyed because you were created for more than just a Kuna Matata land. You were created by God, for God, to carry something, to do something, to be somebody. Can somebody say amen? So, so we find here that, that Jesus comes up out of the waters of baptism and, and, and heaven's open. The, the Holy Ghost descends on him. And then a voice comes out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In Luke, it actually says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then Jesus immediately is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the very first temptation After 40 days of of fasting, the devil comes to him and says, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, how many people know it says in in Leviticus, in the Levitical laws, Thou shalt not turn stones into bread. Okay, there's there's no, you know, it's it's in Deuteronomy. No, it's not. How How many people know there's nothing immoral, there's nothing evil about turning stones into bread? So it's not, that's not the issue. It's not like, you know, the devil's going, hey, you should try some of this weed. Come on, somebody. He's not, hey, you, you know, you should hook up. with. He's, he's not doing any of that. He's just turned these stones into bread. There's nothing. The, the issue that Jesus responds back is that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The attack of the devil was sinister. The attack of the devil was, was about his identity because he says, if you're the son of God, Perform if you're the son of God, prove it. Can, can I get you to doubt what you just heard? And Jesus said, Listen, I ain't going to the place where I've got to prove to you who I am. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He, he, he was born in a stable. He, the Bible says he left his God powers, he left his God divinity behind and became a man, not just a man, but a baby. And he grew up as a, a you know, in, in this home and he's discovering as he goes who he is. At 12, he recognizes there's something about God, and, and he must be. He must be about his father's business. And so when they're all leaving the temple, he goes back to the temple, and he's sitting there with the scribes and the Pharisees asking them questions, and they're asking him questions, and the Bible says they, they marveled at the questions he was asking. Well, two days later, the, the mom and dad, you know, they're, they're looking for Jesus, and they're freaking out. Now, how many people here have ever lost a kid? You know, in the shopping mall or, you know, I lost Tommy on the side of um, a mountain up, up there in uh, uh, Mammoth. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, and, I, and, you know how, how many people know Pastor Leanne, our fearless leader of Cherish Conference, you know, just full of grace, full of grace and mercy, the love of Jesus. I called her thinking, you know, it's her son too. She'd be concerned. I said, honey, did, uh, did Tommy come back to the cabin by any chance? She says, What? Did, did, um, uh, did, uh, I'm just checking, did um, Tommy, is there, is Tommy, is he? She goes, where is, I said, I don't, I don't, I just thought maybe he, have you lost him? I said, well, 
I, I, have, I can't find him. And she says, true story, grace, mercy, the love of Jesus. Now, incidentally, in case you're wondering why I'm throwing her under the bus, all I've got reports from down under is she was continually throwing me under the bus down under. So while she's not here, it's payback time. And so true story, true story. This is what she says, full of grace and truth. She says, if you've lost him, if anything has happened to him, I will never forgive you. Click. <laughs> All right, no pressure. And so, you know, I, I mean, I lost little, I lost little Tommy. I lost, how do you, see, but when I lost Tommy, the first thing I did was I prayed because I knew Jesus knew where he was. I knew God knew where he was. I knew God could help me find Tommy. You know, when little Zoe, God knows where Zoe, he could help me find Zoe. But how do you, when you're Joseph and Mary, and you've been entrusted to look after God's only begotten son, who was sent into the world to be crucified. And so your job is to guardianship. Your job is to, to, you know, to look after him. That's your assignment. He's trusted you with this. How do you go to God and say, God, we've lost them. Is everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Where's Jesus? He's dying. He's just, he's, uh, it's all right. And, you know, they're panicking. Oh. And so they come back to the temple and they find Jesus in the temple. And Jesus says to his mom and dad, he says, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Even at 12, Jesus knew that there was something about God, but still he didn't recognize who he was. It was maybe about 18 years later. He's about 30 years of age. And he's just kind of walking along the banks of the Jordan River because there's a big, you know, kind of big crowd and, and, you know, all this noise and everything going on and celebration and excitement. He's wondering, oh, I wonder what's going on here. And he looks down, there's his cousin, John the Baptist, you know, baptizing people in the Jordan River, baptizing people, preaching in between the baptism, baptizing people. And the, the anointing, the Spirit of God, is on John the Baptist. All of a sudden, John points with his finger like a laser right at Jesus as he's walking along the banks of the Jordan River. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. And that, 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 those words explode in Jesus. His mind immediately goes back to the temple where he was a little boy where Joseph, the first time Joseph allowed Jesus when his frame was strong enough to carry the lamb and this, this little lamb and he's carrying it up to the brazen altar and he puts it on there and then he watches his daddy with his big strong carpenter arms lean on the lamb and confess his sin and confess the sins of the family over the lamb and then they took a knife and they slit the, 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 the lamb's throat and blood and the lamb's screaming and screaming. And, and Jesus watches all of this and he sees this lamb is slain. This innocent lamb is slaughtered for forgiveness of sins. And, and here he is walking. And John the Baptist says, behold the lamb of God. And all of a sudden pictures in Jesus' mind that that's his life. That's his assignment. That's his mission. But even Jesus, the devil, when he comes after Jesus, the very first area of attack is in the area of identity. You need to understand the devil is relentless in trying to get you to doubt who you are. He doesn't, in, in Genesis, God said, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were shameful? Who told you you ought to hide from God? Who told you you are less than? Who told you you're no good? Who told you that you're a failure? Who told you you're a loser? Who told you you're an accident? Who told you that you're dysfunctional? Who told you you got ADD? Who told you you'll never amount to anything? Who told you you're just like your dad? Who told you you're just like your mother? Who told you you'll always be an alcoholic? Who told you you'll always struggle through life? Who told 
told you life is difficult? Who told you money doesn't grow? Who told you these lies that you believe? Because these things form pathologies in our mind. They begin to shape the paradigms that govern our life. The word repent comes from the Greek word metanoia. It's two words that have been fused together. Meta to change and noia knowledge. Meta, where we get metamorphosis, noia, knowledge. To change knowledge, to change your thinking. And that the purpose of being in church, that's why it's so important. You're the smartest people in San Diego this morning, by the way. Because you're in the house of God, with your Bibles open, with your hearts open, saying, God, teach me. God, change me. God, shift some things that need to be shifted. Thank God for a church. Thank God for a people that come to church hungry, ready to learn, ready to be instructed, ready to throw off some old stinking thinking and grab some victorious thinking, grab some new thoughts today. Can somebody say amen? But you need to understand the devil is relentless. He is relentless in trying to attack your identity, trying to get you to believe that you are something that you're not, trying to get you to believe that you are less than, that you are less than what you ought to be, that you are less than, trying to get you to live based on your performance. Let me just go here for a second. If I can get this jacket on. Thank you. Got to get down to business now. Come on, how many people know it's time to whoop the devil? See, the devil wants you to live based on your performance. If Jesus would have turned these stones into bread and said, see, see, they were ordinary stones. Hello. That's a blueberry muffin. <laughs> if, if the devil would have got him there, then he would get him into a place where he tries to get you and I, he tries to get you and I to establish our identity based on our performance. Based on our performance, if you were really a Christian, you wouldn't look at that. If you were really a Christian, you wouldn't say that. If you were really a Christian, if God really and it tries to get you to live based on your... But can I tell you that your performance will come out of your perception of your identity? Let me just say that again. Your performance will come out of your perception of your identity. Let, let me just go one step further. Whoever holds your identity shapes your destiny. Whoever holds your identity shapes your destiny. A couple of weeks ago, we were at the, uh, the Dream Center up in L.A. For, for, their, for their Night of Stars. And, and, you know, it was a fundraising event. It was an extraordinary event. And, and they had a, a number of young ladies who were, who were trapped, who, who were once caught in, in human trafficking. They were, they, were, they were, you know, taken advantage of and they were sold into prostitution. And, and just, just the, the, the horrendous stories. But all of them, all of these ladies had one thing in common that there was somebody who befriended them to win their trust, making out that they were a boyfriend, that making out that they showered them in gifts, but all the time while sharing them in the gifts, took away their driver's license, took away their social security card, saying, hey, I'll take care of you. And then once they had that person where, where they were no, no longer able to run away or establish anything for themselves, then all of a sudden they flipped overnight and says, now you're going to be in prostitution. Now you're going to do these things because you got nowhere else to go. And so these young ladies says, I lost my identity. I I lost who I was. I couldn't run away even when I wanted to. I couldn't run away because I had no driver's license, had no social security card. I had nothing that if I went to another town, if I went to another city, I couldn't buy a car. I couldn't rent a house. I couldn't even stay in a hotel because I had nothing because they take away your identity and then they begin to reshape your identity. They begin to tell you that you are just this. You are just a filthy. You are just a no good. You are just a down. And after a while, you begin to believe it because that's how they treat you. Can I just tell you the devil is a... No, no. 
No, I can't say that because there are dog owners in here. I apologize to dog owners. The devil is not a dog. He is, he is the son of a motherless, no, no he, he is the son of a motherless goat. But that, you know, if you're a goat breeder in here, I apologize for offending you. I can't even think of a vernacular to describe the devil. But that's what he does. He understands it. He can hold your identity. He can begin to shape your destiny. Can I tell you, I came here today to tell you, you are not what you've performed. You are not what you've done in the past. You are not what the devil says. You are who God says you are. I said, you are who God says you are. Your identity is shaped. Your identity is established. Your identity is built in the Word of God. What God says about you. What if I don't feel it, Pastor? It doesn't matter if you don't feel it. It's what God says. Well, hang on. I haven't lived up to that. I haven't performed to that. Jesus says, I ain't performing. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of heaven. If God says it, I believe it, even if I'm not experiencing it God says you are sons and daughters. God says you are accepted in the beloved. God says that you're His. He says if you walk through the waters, I'll be there. You will not be drowned. When you go through the fires, I'll be with you. You will not be burned. He says, see, I've engraved your names on the palms of my hand. The Bible says that He has loved us with an everlasting love. The Bible says that He rejoices over you with singing. When the angels bring up your name to God, He bursts into song. He twirls and dances, singing about you. The devil comes and he says, you're naked. Look at you. You're filthy. You should be ashamed of yourself. Hide amongst the trees. Get away from God. But God is saying to you today, who told you you were naked? What voice are you listening to? What is the dominant voice in your mind? Don't let the devil's voice, don't let your performance Don't let your ability be the dominant voice in who you are. Let the Word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, devil. Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I may not feel it. I may not even believe it. I'm worthy. But it's what He says. And by faith, I'm accepting it. Can somebody say amen? You know, my parents got married because my dad got mum pregnant. My father, oh, my grandfather was going to shoot him, so he decided rather than being shot, I'll marry this kid's mom. And so my dad, from a little kid, told me I was an accident, that I wasn't meant to be here, an accident. So I grew up believing I was an accident. Then I had another disadvantage. I was born in Germany. So my parents call me Jürgen, with a J that looks like Jürgen. Even to this day, 46 flipping years later, I still go into Starbucks and they say, um, oh, you want, you want a... Um, Cappuccino. What name will I put on that? Uh, do you have to put a name? Yeah, so we can call it out. There are lots of cappuccinos. Uh, Jürgen. Burger? No, no. No. Uh, no, Jürgen. Jaeger? No. No, uh, Jürgen. Ergen? Erch? Erg? I'll, I'll just spell it for you. Okay, why? You know, it's a J. Oh, Jürgen? No, 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 no. The J is like a what? And... They butcher it every time. So now I just say Matt. Because it's the first four letters of my last name. So I got this name, Jürgen. My brother was born in Australia. Same parents. Same parents. His name's Michael. I just want you to know I am an advocate against giving women drugs when they're giving birth. My mum was so high that she named me after the ceiling fan. Uh... Ma'am, you've had a little baby boy. What do you want to call him? 
Let's call him Jürgen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that, was, maybe that didn't happen. I don't know. I can't, I can't verify that. I, I don't know. I don't. But my name's Jürgen. So Jürgen. So I grew up in Australia. So I mean, at school, I used to get teased Jürgen, the gherkin, yogurt, yoplait, all kinds of things. And then my last name, Matthias. It looks like a spelling test. I won't even tell you what my science teacher used to call me. Horrible things. So to grow up with Jürgen Matthias, I, I remember years ago... Um, you know, years ago, we finished Bible college, and now I'm living in New Zealand, and, and, and I get this phone call, and, and, uh, and this, this youth pastor on the other end, he says, listen, he goes, um, we want to invite you to be the guest speaker, to be the keynote speaker at our, Easter conf- at our Easter camp. I'm like, really, me? He's like, yeah, you. Someone else had canceled, and I said, oh, I'll do it. Yeah. And, uh, and he goes, uh, so I'd love to do it. And so, you know, you're going to be guest speaker. And he said, you know, and I'm just, you know, your spelling of your name, Jürgen. Yeah, he goes, yeah, fantastic. He said, uh, you know, and so we're just getting some posters. I said, what? He said, we're just getting some posters. I said, whoa, what? He goes, we're getting posters, mate. I said, posters? Well, what's going to be on the posters? He says, well, you know, the name of the camp, you know, Dynamite Youth Camp, whatever it was. And then guest speaker, Jürgen Matesius, and the name of the worship band and everything and the location. I'm like, my name's going to be on a poster? <laughs> He's like, yeah. And it's like about 11 o'clock at night. I remember running in. Leanne's fast asleep. And I woke her up. Baby, you've arrived. And she's like, oh. She's thinking the house is on fire or something. And I said, honey, you've arrived, girl. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, baby, all your wildest dreams have come true. You've always wanted to be married to a man whose name is on a poster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sleep peacefully tonight. Enjoy your sleep tonight. You can wake up in the morning knowing that you have arrived. Oh, yeah. You can get up, go down to the mall, and just brag to people. Just tell complete strangers, I I don't know you, but my husband, his name's on a poster. And, you know, I'm this, yeah. So, anyway, so about six weeks go past, and I arrive at this youth camp. You know, and the pastor picks me up from the airport in his van. And I, you know, so he goes, yeah, you know, the regos, registrations didn't come in like we hoped. I hope it wasn't my name on the poster. He goes, oh, man, that's another thing. He goes, uh, posters didn't really. I said, oh, I said, do you have any left? He goes, yeah, I've got, a, we've got you know, boxes full of them. And, uh, and he goes, but before you look at it, I just need to warn you. I said, oh, warn me about what? He goes, well, he goes, remember that night I was talking to you? And, you know, you said, yes, you'd come. I said, yeah. He said, you remember I went through your name? I said, yeah. He goes, well, the last thing I do before I send it off to the printer is I always just run the entire document through spell check. Oh, yeah, you can see where this is going. He goes, Jerks, have you ever ever ran your name through spell check? I'm like, no. No, never. He says, yeah, you may want to have a look at the, the poster. True story. I pull the poster. I open the poster. Dynamite Youth Camp, Easter Weekend, Christchurch, New Zealand, featuring special guest speaker. Instead of Jürgen Matesius, my name, when you run it through spell check, comes out as Gurgles Mattresses. <laughs> Gurgles Mattresses! Are you kidding me? There were kids up the back, I went to a gurgle a mattress. Everyone say awaken identity. It got worse. I remember when I was in Bible college, I was sitting next to a young lady and her and her husband. They were, you know, 
expecting baby number one, and and uh, and she had this name book. I'm like, well, why, why have you got a name book? And I was, I've only been a Christian like four years or something. And so she says, well, you know, in the Bible, every name has a meaning. I'm like, what? Because yeah, every name has a meaning. I'm thinking, this is God. All those years of scorn, all those years of shame, all those years of being embarrassed. Maybe my name means something awesome. So I snatch the book and I'm flicking through. I'm, oh, I wonder if Jürgen's in here. I wonder if Jürgen's in here. And I get to Jay's and I look down and Jürgen's in there. I'm like, yes, oh, it's awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm believing that, you know, God's going to say, son, for all those years of shame and degradation and people mocking you, check out what your name means. Something is going to mean, you know, awesome samurai for the kingdom. Powerful man of God. I'm thinking, you know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm, you find that I'm quite positive and optimistic. So I'm thinking that. I'm thinking that. That's where my head is. I'm thinking that. Instead, I look, and it just has parentheses. Two words. See George. And I've got a little asterisk. How was it? So I look, I go down the bottom and says, George, Jürgen is a derivative of George. I'm like, ah. I said, make fun of George. Georgie, Porgie, pudding and pie, kissed the girls. Made them. I'm like, no. But I'm thinking, hang on, this is just like God. This is just like God. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. I'm thinking, this is God. So I flick back to the G's. I'm in the G. And, you know, all the G's, Jeffrey, Gary, all these things. Got these big, long, these big, long meanings. These awesome meanings. You know, awesome. You know, one who lays low the nations, magnificent. All this kind of stuff. But when you get to George, there's, there's, there's not a big, there's not a sentence. There's just one word. Now, one word isn't bad. One word, one word can be still okay if that word is handsome, powerhouse, legend. Unfortunately, it was none of those words. Jürgen, which is a derivative of George, and George means farmer. I'm like, farmer? Not warrior, farmer. I remember flinging the book out the window. I had to apologize by another one. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back home at you know, my house, and that afternoon, I'm just miserable. I'm just miserable. I'm depressed on my bed. And you know, God says to me, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Everything. He's like, what's wrong with you? I'm a stupid name. He's like, what's wrong with you? I'm everything. He's like, yeah, your name means farmer. So? This farmer's awesome. I'm like, yeah, right. You're just saying that because you're positive. Because <laughs> how many of you know God's always positive? I'm thinking farmer. I mean, far, farmer. Farmer. How many people go to the movies? Anybody here go to the movies? I mean, I, I love going to the movies. If for nothing else, even if the movie's no good, I like going to the movies just for the, the sound over, voiceover guy. You know, this summer. Wow, wow what's happening this summer? You know, some new blockbuster filmed by Jerry Bruckheimer, music by Dan Johnson. Wow, this has got to be good. Hey, what is it, you know? And, and then they, they begin to describe it deep in the heart of a small town. An evil lurks. Not evil. No. Hey, what, pay attention. A megalomaniac seeks to plunge planet Earth into 1,000 years of darkness and devastation. But only one man can stand in his way. You're like, oh, who is that man? Who is that man? But you know what you never hear? You never ever hear that that one man is the farmer. You never hear that. The one man that can save the planet is the farmer. 
riding in on my tractor. I'm going to get off my track. I got my breeches on. I got me a pitchfork right here. Now, I heard there's some megalomaniac right here in this town seeking to plunge the earth into 1,000 years of darkness. I'm going to tell you something, boy. Ain't going to happen. Not on my watch, bub. I got me a pitchfork. I'm going to stab you right in the face. I got... you. You try and bring my you try and bring my planet in the dark, and I go stab you in the face, boy. I mean, you never hear that. You never hear that. So it's somebody else that's the heroes. I'm going. I got a hate my name. And God says, Yergs, do you know what a farmer does? I don't care. It's like Yergs, a farmer brings in the harvest. So why? Is a farmer so seed? Brings in the harvest. A farmer has sheep, has oxen, has cattle. He says, Yergs, your life is you're going to be sowing the seed. You're going to be a preacher of the Word of God. And the earth is your field. And you're going to preach the Word all over the earth. Not only that... You're not just going to preach, but you're also going to bring in the harvest. You're going to see people saved all over the planet and every nation, every continent. He says you're going to have sheep. You're going to have congregations. You're going to raise oxen. You're going to raise leaders and release leaders. I'm telling you, I'm bawling my eyes out on my bed. Farmer. Oh, yeah. Bonjour, monsieur. Je m'appelle. Are you here again? Come on to Pelletou, which is French. Hi there, my name's Jürgen. Can I just tell you, God wants to show you who you really are. I am out of time. I am out of time. But let me just say this. I said this last night. When you look into a mirror, you don't see you. Let me just say that again and just let it settle because I'm going to sound like I'm on crazy pills. When you look into a mirror, you do not see you. What's he talking about? Of course it's me. Look, it's, I'm waving at my, it's me. Same shirt, same. No, no, no. When you look into a mirror, you don't see you. Uh, yes, I do. I beg to differ. It's me right there. No. When you look into a mirror, you don't see you. All you see is your reflection. You see your reflection. The Bible says that we were created in the image and the likeness of Almighty God. The Bible says that our lives are hid in God, in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, who do the crowds say that I am? Some Elijah, some Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Close, but no cigar. Peter puts up his head. Oh, oh. He says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus turns to Peter and says, blessed are you, Simon. Son of Jonah, because flesh and blood hath not revealed this, but my Father in heaven. In other words, people can't tell you who you are. People can't show you who you are. There is no man or woman that can tell you who you are. Man can assign you a name, but God reveals your identity. I just need to say that again. Man will assign you a name. Whether it was a cute name, whatever, whatever your, your parents just thought that name was, and so they gave you a name. You, you, and so we think that our name is, but can I tell you that God wants to show you your identity. Terah calls his son Abram, Abram, father. 
exalted father. But God comes to him and says, no, change your name. You're not Abram, you're Abraham. You're father of many. Begin to call yourself father of many. Begin to prophesy. Begin to speak. I know your wife is barren. I know your body is dead. I know that you're 100 and she's 90. But don't tell people I'm Abram, I'm father. Tell everybody I'm Abraham. Begin to speak those things that aren't as though they are. Begin to say I'm father of many because it's your identity that will release to you your destiny. Romans 1 verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, separated to the gospel of Jesus. Paul, Paul, his parents called him Saul. I'm not who my parents have told me I am. I am who God has told me I am. I tell you that you are Simon, son of Jonah, but I tell you that you are Peter. Your parents called you Simon Reed, but I'm telling you, you are not Simon Reed. You are Peter. You are rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. From that day forward, he is no longer known as Simon. He no longer calls himself Simon. From that day forward, you and I know him as the disciple named Peter, as the apostle Peter. He is the rock because man, his parents named him Simon, but God showed him. Jesus showed him. When, when, when Simon came and says, you're the Christ, it was the first time he looked into the mirror. It was the first time he looked into to, to who he really was. It was the first time because when you look into Christ, what comes back at you is an awakening of your true identity. Only Christ only Christ can show you who you really are. Man cannot show you who you are. It's only Christ. You know that I am the Christ. My Father showed you that. But let me now tell you who you are. You are not Simon, son of Jonas. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. The devil will fight you. He will fight you. He will distract you. He hates it when you open your Bible in the morning before work. He hates it when you spend time in prayer. He hates it when you spend time in the Word because he knows that the more time you bask in his presence, it only takes one moment. It only takes one encounter. It just takes one instance where you look at Jesus with unfiltered lenses and all of a sudden what comes back to you is a realization, is an awakening of who you are. You begin to realize, why am I putting up with this? Why am I behind? behaving like this. I'm not. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. I'm blessed in the country, blessed in the city, blessed going in, blessed going out. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places, far above every principality and power. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I've been purchased by the highest. I'm, I'm the junk. I'm not an accident. I'm not no good. I, I'm a saved son of the living God. I'm being accepted into the beloved. All of a sudden, when you spend time with Him, things begin to shift. You begin to behave different. You begin to speak different. You begin to think different. You begin to believe different. But the devil wants you to be a slave. He wants wants you to be hiding among the trees. He wants you to be living far below your, capa your capacity, your ability, and your potential. He wants you trapped in a prison. Pastor John Cameron said something so powerful last week. He says the most powerful prisons on this planet, not the ones that are built with concrete and steel. They're the prisons that are built with the thoughts in the minds of men. You can be completely free of an in uh, a penitentiary institution, but you can be completely imprisoned in your mind thinking, I'll always fail. I'll always be no good. I'll never amount to anything. I'll never be like my brother. I'll never be like my sister. I'll never, I'll never prosper. I'll never flourish. We'll never get ahead because 
Somebody told you that you were less than. Somebody told you you were no good. Somebody told you. Can I tell you today, throw off that voice. Throw off that voice. Go to God. Go to God. Go to the Word of God. What has God said about you? Man does not live by bread alone, devil, but he lives by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. The greatest thing that ever happened to me, I'm telling you, church, was 28 years ago I gave my life to Jesus because for 28 years he would speak things, and I'm telling you, I'm being honest with you, most of the time I didn't believe it. He would tell me that I'm accepted. Oh, no, God, I'm not. I'm, let, 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 me, let me just clean this up and clean that up and stop doing this and stop doing that and start doing this and start doing that. And, and then, then I'll be, and God's like, no, I've already accepted you and I've ordained you to be a prophet. No, no, God, I, I couldn't. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not righteous enough. I don't pray enough. Oh, man, I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible. I'm not good. And, but God would just keep speaking. He was just relentless. He was just relentless. He's just relentless in, in communicating and communicating. One day I just decided, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with trying to strive. I'm done with trying to earn. I'm t- done with trying to turn stones into bread to establish my value and my worth. I'm just going to believe what God says. I find that there's something something powerful when that word comes. It begins to empower you to live differently because you begin to think differently about yourself. Today, you need to make a shift. Today, you need to make a change. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God's got an awesome plan for you. Oh, He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Not the person next to you. He loves you.